we're continuing our discussion on uh, philosophical perspective on jobs to be done or what philosophy kind of is in jobs to be done. Uh, last time we talked a lot about rationality and how that relates to jobs to be done and if it applies to being rational. Today, we're going to jump right in to a little bit of a different topic. And that's the connection between jobs to be done and kind of the theory, let's say, of causality or how causality, especially causality of action, plays a role in, in, in jobs to be done. Now, the last time I kind of laid out what is the core argument uh, uh, of jobs to be done, I think we'll put it in the description as well uh, for this episode. But in that core argument, I, I, I kind of framed um, jobs to be done as, as a theory to predict adoption, adoption of solutions. And in there, um, probably there is a claim also about the causality of action. So in the sense that jobs to be done has some kind of claim about what makes people act in a certain way or, or what are things that make people act in a certain way. And that's the causality of action. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm stressing causality of action because I think we should, from the start, differentiate between causality kind of in nature. So that probably, Jonathan, is more your physical kind of description of the universe. And we can discuss how that relates to the causality of action, but causality of action is more about behavior, like about human beings. What, what, what are, are there even causes to action and, and that kind of distinction? So I think that's important to keep in mind. Now, it's quite a strong claim. So saying that there is something to say about the causality even of action or a prediction of, 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 of action. And, and I think Jobs Done has something has something to say about this. Now, I don't know how you see this. I, I frame this as a prediction of adoption that Jobs to be Done allows to do this. That's a very strong claim. How do you both how do you both see that? Is that too strong to say? Or is that probably yeah, quite right, or I don't know. Well, I so think it's the... go ahead, Jonathan. No, go ahead. I was just gonna reframe the question to make sure I understood. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's like the next frontier. I mean, the causality is interesting yeah. and and actually, Jonathan, I give you a lot of credit for sort of bringing this to my consciousness. Um, you know, when we, when, you know, it's sort of our, our, at least one of the reasons we come to jobs to be done initially is to, because we want to, we want to innovate, create new products, which means we want to understand what causes somebody to buy yeah. one or switch to a new product. And, but then, but, but that's how, that's the, on, that's the entree into it. But then, you realize, wow, causality in itself is such an amazing thing. And yeah. and one of the, the first things that, you know, that at least occurs to me is, is like how statisticians for centuries have just, uh, just stayed out of it. And it really yeah. is made, it's really aggravating, honestly. <laughs> and it was the, um, the book of why Jonathan, that you brought me to. Um, and then we had a wonderful guest, Paul Hoonerman, um, yep. who's who wow he spoke he was able to speak so somebody with a deep expert like that and he really was able to frame things so simply i was i, I was i was blown away by that but the you know the the people that i just love these people today the modern folks that have taken on causality when again i, I really see it as a failure of the statistical field for decades at a minimum perhaps centuries to just like just like well it almost if there's any i feel like i die a little bit every time somebody <laughs> says well correlation isn't causality i just want to pick up something and throw it at them and say well <laughs> shut up that you know um because 
we all we've heard it. We know you don't sound <laughs> as smart as you think you do when you're saying that. <laughs> Let me just start with that. You really don't. <laughs> Um, okay, sorry, I had to get that out of my system. But it's frustrating because but but again, the the the, the thing I love about well, the reason statisticians in my, in my mm. is my view didn't go there is because the math would only take them to here, would only take yeah. them to correlation. And yeah. and they had with statistics and with high, sample sizes and with all their you know, centuries of tool sets, they could definitively say a lot of things of what the numbers say by themselves. And there's an unwillingness to step beyond, to take a step beyond the number. And these wonderful people in the field of causality, they've stepped, they've stepped past it and um, are like, you know what? We can apply some logic. We can apply some logic of thinking, and and the one example from the book of why is like if there's a you now father and a son, they both have blue eyes. Okay, well there's a correlation there, and you know you might not be able to prove that the father's eyes caused the son's blue eyes, but you can pretty much say the son's blue eyes did not cause the father's blue eyes. I'm so fairly we, certain. We can yeah. apply. We, we can't apply our logic and being reasonable. And in the business world, I mean, um, you know, I mean, or a farmer or anybody who does anything that has to get results, you know, you know, doesn't hide behind just math. Right. They have to do experiments. They have to try some things. They have to use their common sense. And I feel like that's what the, the modern causality thinkers have sort of, you know, given us some some real tools to think about some frameworks of how we can talk about causality and step past those numbers and it's something i've quite frankly am very much a novice on but they've at least given me an awareness of 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 some of these things and it's yeah and as far as jobs be done i mean for me just personally it's just something i need to know more about it's sort of well the, anytime uh, any field gets more powerful i think is when you combine it with other powerful fields yeah. And I don't feel like causality has fully been, th those models have fully been engaged with it yet. And I think once that's, so it's almost like two areas of expertise that don't communicate or don't that, yeah. not that much. So I think yeah. that very much could be part of the next, next frontier. Yeah. Now, now I, I, so maybe, maybe, so, so, okay. Two things. On the one hand, if you want to go into the philosophical perspective and discussion about uh, uh, causality, Hume and Kant. So Hume and Kant. These are you guys. There's a quarrel between the two. Hume believes there's no such thing. Kant argues to the contrary. So Is that's Hume, H-U-M-E. Yeah. yeah. David Hume, an English philosopher, he has a beautiful uh, line of argumentation that at the end you're suddenly convinced that causality just, uh, you couldn't re even recognize it. Hmm. So that yeah, that's okay. where things went off the rails. But that, so that's David Hume. Um, can't remember the book on the top of my head now, but I should anyway. But it's David Hume, and then kind of Kant tries to to to, to counter this, uh, uh, and it's just an indispensable concept of of making sense of the world, basically. But where I got got really attentive, and I think that's that's why I connect jobs be done and 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 causality is knowingly or not, I don't know, I don't know, but Clayton Christensen used to use causality to explain jobs to be done. And I'll just mm -hmm. try to tell the story as best as I can. There's 
probably a YouTube video of him doing a much better job uh, at, doing, at explaining that. But but the way he phrased it, I think, was so on point. And 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 the way he said is this: Okay, let's let's look at 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 a customer, at, at a person, uh, and their social demographics, age, gender, where they come from, do they make a lot of money or not? Do they drive a Prius or a, a Dodge or like you name it? So all these kind of different social demographical stuff. Now you look at all of that. Do you find a causal explanation of why they go to a certain place and buy the New York Times, let's say, so the, or the, so a, a newspaper? Is there anything in the social demographic that tells you this is the cause for their behavior? Because they behave in a, different, in a, in a certain way. And he argues that there, that, that there is no such thing. There are women buying this, the New York Times. There's males. There's all different kinds of people from different kinds of incomes. That, so there's nothing that in the social demographics, if you just, just look at them, gives you an, a, a, a something like an answer to, to what caused you to buy the New York Times. So basically an answer to why did you buy the, the New York Times. Now, the job, however... For example, I, I don't know if that's the exact way to phrase it, but let's say it's uh, to learn about the uh, events in, of the world, something like that, or to stay to stay informed about news events, hmm? something like that. Now, why did I buy the New York Times? Because I want to stay informed about world events. That's a pretty good reason. So that's a that it gives you that explanation mm-hmm. again of of of. Uh, we touched upon this last time about the connection between my behavior and what I wanted to achieve, the means that I chose and the thing that I want to get to. So, and Christensen always said it gives the, the power of jobs with online in the causal explanation of customer behavior, which a persona or a social damage description of, of the person cannot give you. And I believe there is a lot of truth to that. Somehow, if you understand what the job is a customer is hiring a product for, the question of why stops. You have your answer. But if you go, for example, well, why did they buy it? Well, because they're 35 years old. Some, somehow there's something is, is lacking that doesn't give you a causal explanation. It doesn't give you a why. So I feel like there is there is more work to be done in connecting these these two fields. I don't know how you how you see this. What I think is interesting is that the the kind of causality we're talking about in jobs to be done is is a, a specific kind of causality because yeah. as you've expressed it in your example, it's more to do with another fancy word is a teleology about yeah. uh, purposeful behavior. Telos is the goal, exactly. And so the question is um, how. Why then, how does that relate to causality and, and why might we be interested in it? Uh, I can only speak for myself, but I think the teleology or purposeful behavior and causality are, are quite intimately linked. And, and you you touched yeah. upon it in your example, the, 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 the way we see the world and the way we represent um, what we want and, and how the world works will cause... So our mental state will cause our behavior. At least that's 
um, something yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure many people will this might disagree with this, but yes. I, I, that's at <laughs> least the the yeah. the proposition. Um, what I find quite interesting, and this is maybe just to dive more in the the more philosophical aspect of it, is that it seems to me that when we talk about cause and effects, we have to talk about at about events. I, I have yes. trouble understanding okay. how yeah. states can yeah. cause something because a state by definition is just something which is not changing. So how can non-change bring about change? And, and so oh, you beautiful philosophical question. <laughs> yeah. So you, so somehow you, you need to have at some point, some kind of change to generate another change and this uh, and some of these changes might be related so one event is something happens here and something else happens here due to some kind of causal pathway between these these two things and the question i'm asking myself is how does that manifest so when we talk about the the the, the goals yeah this is a this is a, of course a mental state that's causing us to to go and so there's some kind of a little contradiction here that I I've often yeah. wondered about. So uh, how do how do we 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 connect these things in terms of uh, yeah. So yeah. so maybe oh, oh go on Scott. I will say yeah I think you know so going back to you know Christensen you know I think a lot of what he was speaking to back then is just how marketing was done, which was you marketed to you know you know, 30 to 45 year old soccer moms, that's a market, but that, but then that's really not that predictive of, it could certainly be associated. They could, it's sort of yeah. reasonable to think that group could have some goals in common, but it wasn't their age and demographic that handed them those goals. That sort now that is a correlation, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just like, there's certain, you know, moms at a certain age, you're going to have children that are doing activity. So that literally is a correlation, but it does, it doesn't cause, you know, the, um, and one of the thing I think is really interesting that I think maybe part of, part of this answer anyway, would be, well, I really think like the work that like Bob Moesta has done over the years with the, you know, moving on with Christensen and the, 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 for, yeah. the forces of progress, you yeah. know, and there it's, you know, with, with all, so there's really are sort of two branches of jobs we've done. Olick and um, Christensen was kind of in both, but then, but then Bob Moesta, Bob to my knowledge, has done the most to sort of forward yeah. that next group, which, uh, which, which is jobs. So with, with Olick, you know, a job is a, a something you a customer wants to accomplish. Let's figure out what they want to accomplish. What are all the needs? And we're going to address those yeah. needs. With with uh, Bob Moesta's um, uh, and, and his folks' line of thinking, you know, it's, it's more about jobs to be done as progress. Yeah. So people are trying. We want to make progress, um, and some of these are semantic differences. But then, but the what occurs to me then for a causal model is that I think they get a little. It gets a little closer to that, in that. Um, you know, uh, so if I could, th I mean, it's like people like there's a some goal I want. You know, there's some there's something I want to accomplish, and then those four forces. It was um, 
you know, there was a push and pull. I'm probably yeah. gonna have this all wrong. Push and pull, and then habit and anxiety. Yeah, that's habit that's and right. anxiety. So let's, let's see if I can get a tank. Let's go back to let's let's go back with Jan's smoking example. <laughs> so so Jan is let's go. We're going back in time. Jan's, the next smoker. Jan's a smoker, and we want to we want to figure yeah, okay. out what causes what. Yeah. Well, he certainly has the habit of smoking, right? Yes. You probably have the cigarettes. You probably have certain rituals around, I don't know, morning, night, after lunch, yes. you know, in a bar, out drinking or or whatever. Like there's certain things that so are socializing, whatever, it's habit. And then by that model, you know, there would be some anxiety about, I don't know if I want to give all these things, you know, what would life be like without those rituals? There's sort of the anxiety of giving it, giving it up. And then the push and pull, again, I'm speaking about things I am not an expert in. So I may talk myself into a corner here, but I believe, I believe the push. So anyway, so those would be things that keep you smoking habit and anxiety about what life's after it. Yes. And the push and pull would be that's, these are the things that are forces that might get you to stop smoking one, so the push, I think, is about um, con circumstances, context. So maybe you see, you know, people not smoking and you're like, wow, that there's something appealing about that or the pull of this healthier lifestyle. Yeah. So sort of these this push and pull, um, I'm really just thinking through this in live time, by the way. I'm not an expert <laughs> in this, but the push and pull seem to be more about the job, what you want to accomplish. Yep. I'll have to tell enough to tell us if Bob have to tell us if I got this right. The habit and anxiety that seems to be more about the solution side. The habit of using a solution, the anxiety yeah. of adopting a new solution. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, will I even be able to stop? You know, is it going to be too hard to stop? Uh, that's why am I putting myself through all this pain? <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know if that if it goes a hundred percent there for causality, but I think at least it's looking at those four forces of what. It's it's like the habit is causing you to keep to keep smoking. The anxiety is causing you to keep smoking. The push and pull yeah. are sort of dangling in front of you. This what you know these positive benefits so that maybe this higher level goal. So you have all these things trying to call forces either trying to cause you to keep smoking or forces trying to cause you to stop smoking or adopt a healthier habit and. Yeah. So I so I, it seems like when one of those wins, you could say the the pull of this happier lifestyle overcame these yeah. other opposing causes or these 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 weren't forces, but I don't know. It just it just sort of as you mentioned it it occurs to me that those that for that this other model of jobs you've done this forces of progress, which which I have truly only read about, not used. Uh, that they go a little. I think they get a little closer to causality, or at least from a different. Maybe not closer, but at least they're they're looking at causality from a slightly different angle. Yeah, I think you're you're right because they look at the process to to change mm -hmm. the the process that brings people to change uh, the the product or service they use. So it's about a timeline. They have a timeline, and you have these forces acting upon you during this timeline and different events that trigger a change and it's true that i think if we look at more of the uh let's say all wick uh side of uh jobs to be done it, it's it's more about i think the causality enters more about how people understand the mechanisms of how the world works 
rather than specific events. I mean, at no point in in the Olwick version do we talk about events that would uh, trigger some kind of change of behavior or or something like this. I I think that and I, and I think what's really valuable about this uh, well this book book of why for instance one of the uh, very simple ideas that I think is very powerful is the notion that causality is something that we have to bring into the picture ourselves it's not something that we can bring out of the data and I think just that idea is yes, is yeah. is quite powerful in the yes. sense that um it's 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 experts or people who come and and will lay out the the causal structure of a problem yeah. or situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. But here I feel I think... like they gave me permission to use common sense. I, exactly. I hesitate yeah, to use yeah, that yeah. phrase because what I think is common sense might somebody else might think is not. But to use their, it gave me permission to use logic beyond the math. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah. Jan, you said something. No, no, no. I think I think that's perfectly true because because that's in secret also what we've all been doing we all know That's that right. the dropping of the temperature is not going to cause the bad weather right exactly. we, we we so that's it's just we bring this to the table whether we like it or not and everybody would agree that no it's kind of the change in weather that causes something in the temperature reader thing so 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 i think that that's very fair but on the jobs to be done uh, interpretations let's say or views or however you want to call this uh, or how they spell out jobs to be done and the relationship to causality. I think there is a lot of, so, so, okay. A, a, a big danger in when we talk about more philosophical stuff is what I would call differences without a distinction. So very often we tend to do, to make differences and there is no real distinction there. In, in my view, and this would take a little bit of, of, of an argumentation. I feel like if we relate, if we relate these two to are they causal or not, I feel both are. So, I mean, we could get take an example. I think for all the week, something like uh, cutting a piece of wood in a straight line would count as a job to be done. Yep. So if you, I think that's even the example he uses in his latest book, From Theory to Practice, if, or if I'm not mistaken, but that, that's, so that's, a, that's a, uh, fair to say that that is a job to, to, to be done. Now, the, the more West-oriented people might say something. Again, I'm not as well as you, Scott. I'm not from, from there. But they might say something like, well, yeah, but that is not really a purpose. That is not really what you want to achieve. So we have the discussion all the time also with people that want to drill, they want a hole in the wall. Well, nobody wants a hole in the wall. So always this question of, well, why do you want this pops up. And, and I think... Um, that's just the question of when do you when do you stop asking that question? Now it could it could really be that, for example, um, I think the example that Chris uh, sorry that Alwick uh, puts forward, they relate to a certain kind of situation, and you have to know much more about the situation of when does the explanation of why stop. I mean, I I, I before I had, I said that this is kind of exactly the power of jobs to be done, but. That's only half half of the truth. So there is a kind of circumstances that make that inform when you stop with your explanations. That's just that's just the way. At one point, explanations comes come to an end. That's uh, that's not me. That's Wittgenstein. So at one point, they just come to an end, and that depends on the context that you're in. 
and and I've always found that these the difference between those schools is a lot of that is is differences without the real distinction. There might be a distinct a difference in techniques. For example, how do we do interviews and what are we kind of things are we looking for? But in terms of the mindset, the philosophy, I don't feel there is that much of a difference, to be honest. Um, and there are some out there that make a lot of noise about that difference. And I feel like there's a lot of difference without distinction there, um, where we just talk about words, when in fact we're, we're trying to achieve the same thing. So so that's my two cents on, <laughs> on that discussion. I see um, a lot of that, yeah. Just especially jobs be done, experts or whatever, yeah. something like that. And, you know, when I detect that people are arguing with me about the definitions of how something's defined, I yeah. get so disinterested in the conversation. Yeah. I just I just probably I usually just stop responding. The one yeah. exception might be this rationality thing we talked about in the last episode, just because I think misunderstanding of that word, legitimate misunderstanding is sort of at the root. It's like that's the only way to really get it and get down into yeah. it. how do you define rationality? Which in our last episode, I was, I was that was helpful, y'all, when you did that. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I think back to the causality thing. Yeah. You know, I think I think oh, I think what Olick's model does, which is what I'm really a practitioner of, is by you know understanding the the all the needs to help somebody to accomplish a job, say stop to stop smoking, you know what are all the or, or whatever all the criteria, um, and it helps to understand the magnitude of that unsatisfactory how or how for for whatever it is I want to accomplish in life, what's the magnitude of that yeah. gravitational pull how between me and getting there and this thing I want to accomplish and do, do it. Would I, is I, would I just sort of opportunistically? Yeah. Here you yeah. can stop smoking. If uh, you know, just, just decide to stop. All right. Whatever. Or if there's some miracle solution that, or, or how, how much really would my life be better? Yeah. Wow. If it would be a lot better then that all of a sudden that creates this desire in me to look for a solution, which yes. is, which is a causal link. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think maybe I'm going to expand on this. So sometimes uh, I think we really have to go deeper into into the definitions. Rarely, but sometimes we do. Yeah, and I think yeah. maybe we need to do that a little bit also in, in causality. Um, and I think yeah. that's exactly right. I think one one important point that I want to make before we dive deeper into this, um, th there is very often an understanding of causality that is linked to a certain understanding of causality only works in a timeline. So that the cause is always prior to the effect. Usually, we we believe that uh, the 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 I don't know the throwing of the stone has to be before the shattering of the glass, and only in that sense is there causality. Only in the, in a, in a temporal sense, and cause is always always comes before the effect. Now that's unfortunately not true. Uh, you can see a couple of things. A very simple example. The rise in sales of gifts before Christmas is caused by the future event of Christmas. So weirdly, the future can be a cause in the present. It's not so, and I think that's a very important thing to keep in mind um, because that's that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. A future thing can cause something that that can cause something in you today. And I think that's the space jobs to be done lifts in. So it's something you want to achieve 
that causes you to to display a certain behavior to get to that final state. And that can be having cut a straight line through wood. So that it causes a certain kind of behavior in you. And 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 that I think is the first first thing that we need to get rid of the idea that causality is only cause first, some time goes by and then effect. It can be the other way around. So I, I think I would have to disagree oh, slightly with that one. <laughs> yeah. No, because I think that comes down to to a question of, of definition of you know what is it that we're talk what are we yeah. uh, imputing the cause to 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 be. So what what is yes, on on, on some level um we could talk about it that way, but for for me, it's there is an actual real cause that happened in the past, which is the people's uh, again, it's the people's ideas about how the world works and what's going to happen. So, and and this is why also this but is that a cause? Well, I I I believe it is. It's and and this okay. connects also to this idea uh, of going back to this question before of how can states which are yeah. non-changing cause things well often it's it's a, it's a problem of definition in the sense that well, maybe just give an example so for example um some kind of discrimination case okay that's a typical question so maybe a woman is not hired for a job because uh, she's a woman that's a state how can how can the fact that she's a woman cause something, but it's, it, I think it's, it's, um, we're not putting the cause at the right level because what's happening is in fact, <laughs> is the person who there is one event happening, which is the photons are bouncing off this person or the person is reading a letter, whatever. So there's information that's being, mm. that's being transferred to the person hiring this woman or not hiring this woman. And, and he then will, make a decision but there's there has been a trigger and an event happening but it's maybe a kind of microscopic event or something and so as a shortcut we'll say that her condition as a or the condition is probably not the right word but her being a woman has caused him to make this decision but but it's actually the, from a physical perspective it's it's actually there are actually events it's not the state actually causing anything and i think here it's a bit of the same thing it's 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 what happens in people's minds uh the the, the what is and, and that's why it's so important to understand how people mm. also think because it, yeah. it, it will inform their decisions and how they and what they do yes yeah. yeah although i will agree, disagree with your example i think i don't do you really think that there is a causal link between Kind of the photons coming off the paper or the screen, and his his discrimination. Well, I think this is very easy to 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 check. Um, oh. You can Im imagine a, an experiment mm. where the the person hiring, and this is exactly what people do, where the name of the the person being hired is hidden. The so the person hiring sure. has no idea who the person is so there's no information that's being communicated to the person hiring the other and in which case we see that the there's no reason for discrimination so what we've we've not changed the fact that this uh, the, the 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 woman is right. a woman we've just changed what is being communicated to the person doing the hiring but not everybody who 
looks at CVs of women will discriminate against them. No, of course. We, I'm talking about. So there needs to be a little uh, bit more. Ah, that's where exactly. I would say it's his belief. There is belief about. Also. Yes, exactly. I don't know what it means to be a woman, whatever, or kind of yeah. the performance of women. That that yeah. that's the actual cause that leads him to exactly, this and and that's where it gets a bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, to me, I find quite interesting is is and and where I think there is a connection with jobs to be done because people do make decisions based on their understanding of how the the world works and. And the the belief system of this person might be I don't know um, you know women uh, will I don't know not work as much or yeah, so, yeah. something like this. This this is a belief system where he's in his in or in his mind thinking if I do this then this will happen if I hire this person then this person will work okay. less so and it's then his causal model of the world. Exactly. Ah, but now I, I see. Okay. But I think that's what the, the the for me that's where the real connection is 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 that in people and when they're evaluating what they want to okay. do they have a causal model in in their heads of how things are going to happen and it's that causal model itself this view of the world that's going to inform their decisions. Oh, that's. The, but do you think jobs to be done kind of brings this out? I I I think jobs to be done brings it out in a certain certain respect which is where when we classify the outcomes in terms of their yeah. uh, importance and satisfaction it's a kind of incomplete model it's it's not really a causal model at all but it, it does kind of there's some hints of causality in there in the sense that yeah. we're saying if you do this perform this action then these are the outcomes you might get so so there's a form of direct simple causality there i think yeah okay I've never thought about it though in this way, but I really I I I can see where you're coming from. I really like this. I yeah. mean, I have I have a very I so this is my story of how how I mean sometimes metaphysical events happen, right? So uh that that's my story of how how I got in touch and I think immediately connected to jobs to be done is it's the is I was so I was studying philosophy and and I did a course on Aristotle. And thinking a lot about causality, and I will get into that a little bit because I think that that also connects. But and and what we're doing now, discussion with you is is there is different things that can be causes, and I think that again is a second thing. So one thing is the is the timeline. We can disagree on this, but I but there that's a debate. And the other thing is what things can be causes, and there is a huge debate separately in philosophy going on if if reasons at all can be causes or, or not. So is a reason a cause or not? That's a huge debate as well. Uh, I don't think, I, I would say in some circumstances, yes, but you can go into that if, if you want. So kind of can can just a mental state be a cause for, for, for something? And, and you mentioned that nicely that it's quite strongly debated, let's say, so how, how, how that connection works. Now, um, I want to. I want to. I want to maybe take another another um, stab at trying to bring my <laughs> connection between jobs to be done and causality to to the front. As as, but but I'm not really thinking. Is it is it an alternative to what you explored or or not? I I have. I think you have a more sophisticated version, to be honest, uh, um, of this. So so. Okay, 
Should I go into the, the Aristotle stuff? I yes, think that please. will help. Yes, that will yes, help kind of make this different distinction. But but um and, and then maybe we can see how this connects to 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 your to your view, Jonathan. So so I was I was okay, I was in, in university, it was very, very early on, and I I, I had a course on, on Aristotle, and, and he famously is one that realized that the question of why can have different answers. Like that in itself is uh already an interesting and all an interesting observation and famously there are these kind of four different causes that that aristotle uh, defined now there is heavy debate whether that's still true or if it holds up it's hold it holds up still and, and all that kind of stuff but i but i find it it proves very useful it can it can help you kind of get a sense of what kind that there are different kinds of causes now now for aristotle there are four different kinds of causes at least so there's the what he calls the material cause the formal cause, the efficient cause, so causa efficiens, and the final cause. Um, and these four, these are four ways in which you might explain, or, 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 yeah, in which you might explain, say something like artistic production, bringing about, uh, producing something, things that we make. So that's his, the example that he uses. He talks about statues and, and and how we produce statues, but also just human action in general. So there's four different things, or four four different kinds of causes for human action for for example and i want to just run through the example and then then we can see how it links to to, to what you exp, uh, explain johnson so so you can ask the following and i so why did the stone shatter the window just as a, as a general question why did the, the the stone shatter the window now there is different ways of giving an answer to that question one possible answer or one possible explanation is well because the material of these of these two things that would be the material cause Stone is harder than glass. That's why the stone shattered the window. If the stone would not have been harder than the glass, it wouldn't have shattered the window. Or if window, or if the window would have been harder, which is the same thing, then the stone, then the other event would not have happened. The shattering would not have happened. That would be a kind of a, an explanation or, a, or, or giving the material cause. Or you can ask, um, for example, something like, uh, why is the window re rectangular? That would asking about the, be a, asking about the different why. Why has the the window the shape that it has, um, and that could be because well I don't know I cut it in that form for example. The the, the example uh, that that Aristotle uses is why does the statue look like that it looks like well because that was the form of the bronze that was used to do it. That's a different kind of ex, of of cause kind of relationship between what we see and and what and and and, and how it came about that it is the way it is. So that would be kind of looking for the for the causa formalis or the formal formal cause, um, and then the, the third one, the efficient cause, is always that's a bit tricky to explain. But you could also, for example, ask, and that now we're getting more into the causal causal stuff that we've been talking about before. Is what made it the case that the stone shattered the glass? So what 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 was it kind of what changed such that the glass shattered? And there you could say, well, because I threw the stone. I've said I've said certain things, so that's going about your your kind of the events and the change that needs to happen in order for something to to for something else to happen. I set a chain of things in motion when I threw the stones, so that the glass then shattered. I affected a change, so that would be the efficient cause, which usually is what we think about is causality when we just talk about causality in general. So my throwing would be the cause of of the the, the shattered window. 
Or lastly, and I think here is where we get to talk to it on is you could ask, well, why did I throw the stone in the first place? What, with what end in mind did I throw the stone? And that will be the, the final cause, the causa finalis. And I think that is exactly where jobs to be done and causality kind of aligns. Because I could say something like, because I wanted to break into your house or steal something or whatever then, then the end in mind is, or I just, I, I was angry at you and I kind of wanted to cause you pain. So I shattered the wind. And I think there is an overlap. And that, that was kind of my magic moment. I started working in a company that uh, unfortunately no longer exists, but they, they applied jobs to be done as well. I was working on a, on a, on a, on, on these different four causes in my philosophy. And I started to read about jobs to be done. And for me, it was from the get-go, it was very clear what jobs to be done meant. So <laughs> because I made that link between the final cause, the thing that I want to want to get to causes it is a causal explanation of my action. And and I think that's that for me has always been been what jobs to be done is about. So yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. I, I, it makes helpful, no it? makes makes total <laughs> sense, and and I have to say I really like this four cause four cause model. I think it's a really nice way of, um, I mean, just thinking about stuff. Uh, I, yeah. I'm not sure it's. It, I would agree to the idea that it's true on a fundamental level, but I think it's uh, it's yeah. a very useful um, way of taking different. Views on a on a problem, you know, and just just maybe looking at things in a, it forces you to look at things from different angles, which I I think is interesting. Yeah, would you say that 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 your idea of having a causal model about the world is would it fit in one of the four, or is that something something else something else entirely? <clears throat> well, I I personally, uh, I mean, my personal belief is that everything is. Um, basically an efficient cause i i don't oh, believe okay. there's there's anything although when you really go deep That's down may, often... some, sometimes i then hesitate and think maybe, <laughs> maybe everything is formal you know because uh, then you get into maybe mathematics and shapes i don't know something like this but okay but basically i think my immediate answer the most like natural for, for me and i think it's also uh, what physics physics uh, as a as a branch would would say is is that it's there's only efficient causes so there's there's no teleology is not a real physical thing there's no space for that in in physics in fact yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now i can see that does it sorry scott do you want to say yeah. Well, first of all, when you're describing the glass, it occurred to me all those are correct. All the reasons were correct. Yeah. I'll tell you why I'm sorry. You see me sort of smiling a little bit. I'll explain that in a second. But um, the, it's correct that you're trying to get into the house. It's correct. Or it could be correct that you're angry. Yeah. It's correct that the glass was brittle. You know, if it was yeah. aluminum, it would have dented instead of shattered, for example. It's it's correct. All those things. They're all correct. They're all right. Causes. Yeah. Now I'll tell you why I was sort of smiling, laughing. And this is there's an American TV show from the '60s called The Andy Griffith Show. Have you ever heard of The Andy Griffith Show? No, no. It's, only, it's one oh. of only two one one of only two television shows to go off the air, uh, ranked number one. The other one was Seinfeld, so The Andy Griffith okay. Show. Anyway, there was a there was a sort of famous well, there's as well. It's one of my favorite shows. But anyway, there was one episode where these two families were feuding. 
and it was yeah. supposed to be is very rural North Carolina, and they've been feuding for generate feuding, meaning they're like sort of like a war, like they were shooting mm-hmm. at each other, and and oh, uh, so serious kind of feuds. yeah, like shooting each other. But nobody actually got hurt, but they were just still shooting. And there was an episode where the sheriff sort of had enough. Well, it was sort of like a Romeo and Juliet type thing. Their child, the children of the feuding families wanted to get married, and that sort of brought all the everything to a head. And so the sheriff Andy Taylor went to the um went to one of them. This was the Wakefields and the Carters. The Wakefields and the Carters were feuding, and he said, "Well, um, he asked him, we'll say, well, your is your son going to continue? You know, you guys need to stop this. Is your son going to continue feuding? You know, after you guys are gone." And he goes, I maybe he will, maybe you're not, but but he don't know the reason. And the sheriff asks, Well, uh, why is that? And he goes, Well, he don't know the reason. And he yeah. asked him, Well, why don't you tell him? He said, Well, because I don't know the reason. <laughs> and he said, and he said, so the sheriff said, Well, why are you shooting at him? He's a he's a Wakefield. He said, Well, because because they're the cart, because they're the Wakefields. Yeah. He goes, Well, why are you well, why are you why are you shooting at him? Because we're feuding. Well, why are you shooting? Why are you feuding? Cause we're shooting at him. Anyway, they just sort of got. The, I'm not sure yeah. if this helps our discussion, <laughs> but I was having a little flashback back to that TV episode where they were, uh, you know, it was because they're the Wakefields, because we're feuding, because we're shooting at them. Yeah. It was in all a certain these, sense that's it was true. all these answers yeah. of cause why they're yeah. fighting, but n- none was any more helpful than the other to resolving it. Again, I, I don't know. I don't know where that gets us in our dialogue, but I was, I was having a little flashback uh, with that to that episode. Yeah, but but I think so. This is I think this is a very important point where we sometimes. I'm not sure that it is, but anyway, go ahead. No, yeah, I'm going to tell I you I why. Just derailed. It was. A, I I really enjoyed the story though. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. And, 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 and well, I don't know exactly that. Not because of the story as such, but because that you that you that you emphasize. Hey, they're all they're all right. Yeah. And 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 sometimes in well in the more business related context or the, the way that we talk about. Is sometimes we need to explain behavior that we see, for example, in market data. Sales went up, sales went down, whatever. So, and then discussions start, and then somebody mentions, "Well, that's because we lowered the price." Right. And in a sense, that's true. Right. Uh, well, it's because we changed X, Y. And in a sense, that can also be true. So I think yeah. there is a very real uh, element to this, and probably why it's also funny is that. It can happen that different causes are are kind of true at the same time, and it's very hard to to pick them apart or to really kind of narrow down which one was the cause in all in all that kind of mess. And and I think for me, their their jobs to be done has a has a has a role to play because it 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 tells you what a good cause looks like, right? So of course, changing the price will have a certain effect, but it doesn't fundamentally explain why are there sales sales anyway. Why there? Why is somebody using the, the the thing in the first place or buying the thing in the first place? Yeah. So, it, and and that's very often the, the 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 I think the a difficult discussion at least for me to manage. So if somebody says, "Well, which, which sales often says this. Well, we we just we need to lower the prices, right?" And they probably would be right. So that probably has an effect and it changes stuff, but it doesn't answer the question at least for me in a fundamental way of why there is certain kind of market behavior. So there is an element of an important element of truth to this, that there can be different causes that are true at the same time. And it's, and it's, and it's a debate, right? Which one really was it? 
I'll tell you the image that came to mind as you said that. And Jonathan, you're you're often talking about states, you know. And if you think about it, if anything is still, is not moving. So there's is there's lots of forces. First of all, wait a minute, there's, there's there's all kind of that just means all the forces around it are like equal. Like just to be yeah. totally simplistic, if there's a if you're pushing on, you know, two sides of uh, of something, you know, you're push you're pushing on it. So it's it's got to be equal forces. And so right now the state is it's not moving. So for the state to change, one of the forces has to change. Maybe one for, beco force becomes weaker. Maybe one force becomes stronger, or maybe a new force is introduced. But it, it we have we just have a state. We have an equilibrium. I realize yeah. this is getting deep now. Sorry, I don't know what I was smoking <laughs> for episode. But um, but everything is still like if we have equilibrium, that doesn't mean there are no forces. It just means yeah. they're all equal holding this thing. And so for something to change, yes, that means one force, well, one force is stronger than the other, which could be caused by one of the forces weakening or because one of the forces yes. strengthening or an additional force on top of it. But when that new force came on, that didn't get rid of the infinite other forces that were there. So when we mm -hmm. say cause, you know, what we, we really mean is something new a new di something new that created a dynamic situation so that the state changed but yeah. but we i guess we oversimplify the situation by ignore by just ignoring all the you know all the other causes around it but to be to give a more precise answer you would acknowledge or at least try to think about all those. I don't know if that's, that's I, well. Sort you of you touch on you, you touch on a really interesting point, which for me has been very confusing. And I don't know if Jan knows about you know some Aryan philosophy that touches about confusion a, a, a lot. No, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. And you were talking about dynamics. There's this um, author called uh, Alicia Guerrero, who's a kind of I think philosopher, and she wrote this book called Dynamics in Action. And her whole thing is about constraints. And this is something I've always yeah. also wondered in terms of jobs to be done. For instance, I, I find there's not much talk about constraints. And also, I'm not quite sure to which extent uh, is context related to constraints. I and mean, that's maybe a separate question. But I think in terms of causality, this question of constraints is quite an interesting one. For me, at least quite puzzling. Um, and I think it's also quite related to how we can build better services and, and, and products, understanding constraints. Um, I, so I'm, I'm kind of just throwing that on, on your on your lap, Jan. So, but I was wondering, I mean, is this something, is this discussed in, I mean, I'm sure it's discussed in philosophy, but I mean, what's the kind of... Well, here's the, so honestly, I, I, I don't know, uh, probably... Yes, but but that that's something I I, I couldn't point you anywhere. Uh, you 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 know more about this than I than I do. Funny enough is I know about the project we did where we end we where we added constraints to a jobs be done project, and it gave great insight. So so uh, that I can tell you a little bit about uh, on the philosophical part. I I I just don't know. I don't know. The 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 th it, and now you're making me think really hard. But so the project was about. I think we framed the job, and I probably won't get it right exactly, but it was a, something about like uh, uh, um, 
like getting food on the go some or, or something so when you're not at home so in in, in this uh, it, it wasn't on the go i don't know well it's, it's about the situation where you kind of need to feed yourself when you're not at home basically that's the that's the situation either at work or you're on the road or whatever so that was that was the job we, we phrased it a bit more beautifully <laughs> but anyway i think you get what i mean and then what we, what we found in the qualitative is well there is Yes, there is this job, and then there is just there are things there are things in the life of people that they cannot influence that keep them from getting the job done the way they want to get it done. For example, so so I'm trying to so for one example was that I, I still remember was was maybe we you would phrase this differently in a job speed on environment, but but we kind of took that as a separate thing. Is somebody said, well. I try to stay healthy. I try. I follow a regimen. He was so he was kind of more strict in brackets about his diet. Not not a hundred percent, but he wanted to follow certain goals and certain certain uh, nutritional principles, if you like. But the place he worked at and the canteen that was there and that provided food didn't allow him to to choose something that would kind of fit his his thing. And he, and he wasn't prepared for other reasons to cook for himself. But that would have been a solution. So so that was a constraint. So he wanted to get the job done. There was the readiness was there. He it, it caused him to act in a certain way, but there was just an element in his life that prevented him from achieving it the way he wanted it to. Now you could phrase this as probably as an outcome in a certain sense, but there was a mm -hmm. couple of those other things. Also, just the sheer lack of time. We talked to to doctors and nurses, not not exclusively, but there was a doctor and a nurse, and they said, "Well, I have 15 minutes in my on my lunch break." It, there is no way I can eat healthy. So I just grab a sandwich from the canteen. I, I, I push it down and that's my lunch. But it's, so she had to go for an imperfect solution because of constraints in, in her life. And, and we didn't really figure out how, how else to kind of um, bring this into a job perspective, just, just as a separate thing. And then, and then we asked kind of people, well, which of the following kind of constraints do you face? more often. And then you, you get a beautiful view and how that relates of kind of how their job satisfaction relates to, correlates, who knows, but relates to or has something to do with the constraints that they face. Uh, that's just one example. And we never really went down that road in a more systematic way. So an earlier version of, of ODI was called JOC, Jobs, Outcomes, constraints <laughs> oh yeah. so it used to be part of the method it was it was dropped it, yeah there you go joc which is kind of which was kind of not and the companies using it it was it was an easy easy to remember joc joc jobs outcomes constraints and it was dropped uh when um when consumption needs became more a part of the process. It's like, well, constraints more have more to do with it. But yeah. I still I I I like jobs outcomes constraints still. Yeah. Um, because I mean one that comes up in uh, I've done some projects in agriculture and uh rain. Anyway, first of all, what is yeah. a constraint? I would define constraint as something in the environment you can't change. It's just a it's a factor yes. of it. You can't change it. So it's so it's worth gathering and then, you know, and it comes into play when it comes time to uh, come up with, you know, just develop solutions. But, you know, but with agriculture, you know, unpredictability about the weather, 
Yeah. I mean, rain, uh, that's pretty important to agriculture. Yeah. I mean, to not, to not grab that, you know, is, is going to be, is to be incomplete. Right. And it's just, so you have, you get, so you can have outcomes around, you know, how, how that impacts you and whatnot. And so I think, I think it's right to set them aside and get needs purely without them. But I think you need to also don't leave it aside. It's sort of like if yeah. you have a solution idea. Well, I yeah. think this is a real good idea. Okay, set it aside, get the needs separate for it, but don't forget about it. Well, what needs does it address? You know, let's make sure we've got those in our survey. So constraints, I think, you know, um, see, yeah. they have a seat at the table uh, for within jobs to be done as What's something in the environment we can't change? And then context, yeah. I think context, those could be different. That's part of the environment could be part of the context. So I think these overlap yeah. a little bit, but I think they're separate. I was just going to say, change I think a lot of a lot of them would, would uh, probably an, uh, an instinct will be to say, well, circumstances are just, or uh, sorry, constraints are just context. But I think you're right. It's It's something else. It's by defining it as something you cannot change in the environment, that's something else in a context. That's that's just. And I personally have that in my. I've got a little interview guide cheater that I use. Yeah. I, that I use for everything, everything. Um, and I've got a. I have a small section on constraints. Yeah. Which I've got. I mean, there's not ten questions. There's probably two or three, which essentially, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. something you can't change uh, in the environment? That's simple. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in your experience, um, constraints don't. So, my question is, how do they relate then to the outcomes? Because I would imagine a kind of easy way out if you want to get rid of the constraints, but, but keep the the theory is, is basically just to say, okay, for example, um, we put a constraint, and it's it's a kind of cons. Uh, limitation let's say that you would put on an outcome so for instance a silly example would be i only have 10 minutes to have lunch uh, that's for me as a constraint so it's it's this kind of outcome um i mean i don't know if time can be considered an outcome necessary but the, that, that would be the the idea is like a constraint on the type of outcomes or uh, to take the canonical uh, drill example uh, i i have a constraint that my na the, the walls in my uh, apartment are very thin and yeah. i'll wake up my neighbors easily and that's a constraint maybe or something like this well it constraint it can end up being a constraint on the solution so you got 10 minutes to eat in that case maybe, maybe so your solution's a shake or whatever yeah. Um, but it also it also can be it's funny we started talking about causality. It can be a cause, right? Sure. Unpredictable rain yeah. can be a cause of um, you know, all your seeds don't germinate at the same time. Why didn't they germinate at the same time? Because we had a ton of rain early and then we didn't have any, right? Yeah. It's a constraint, we couldn't control it. So it's it could now to be completely honest with you, I think. I think this is an area to explore more fully. Um, but at the but just at the very least, it can be a constraint on the solution and the constraints can be causes of what well, was the cause of why a need's not satisfied. Yeah. I think I, I I what I really like is 
that kind of circumstances or constraints they live in the they live in the solution world and needs usually they they i mean if you really think about a need in in, in the broadest sense i don't that's care right. about my that's constraints right. it's something but i it's want right. whether i can get it or not that's right so, but a constraint is is like i have to accept it I, but why I, is it I, in the in the solution world? I don't I don't quite get that. Why do you say a constraint is in the solution world? Well, because I don't. I I would say there are no limits to my needs, and my wants, and my outcomes, and my well, however you want to call it. I can want something that isn't yet uh, physically possible. Yeah, you you want all your seeds to come out of the ground at the same time. And that's completely independent of what the weather does. Yeah. But I think so you can follow the logic of pulling constraints out of the process. Yeah. However, I think the I think um I well, again, I think this is an area for, for more for full yeah. exploration, but I, but a couple quick things. I think I think you both see where it could be a constraint on can be a constraint on solution, right? Um but also it could so it could be a cause of why that's unmet uh, you know the, the the these seeds will not germinate at the same time because they don't get rain when they need it and they get too much when they don't so it could be a cause of it could be a cause of lots of things so then it comes back around so when so when you're doing a qualitative interview you know to know the constraints first of all oh one constraint is the unvariability of the weather okay what challenges does that create for you so because the constraint can is a causal factor, it becomes part of an interviewing technique to uncover more. Oh, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. get that, yeah, rain. We yeah. get too much rain or it's unpredictable rain. That makes that makes me have uh, yes. pesticide or makes all the pesticides wash off or it makes all the soil wash away or the or this plants yeah. die because they don't get enough rain. Why are all those things happening? Because the rain's unpredictable because because of that constraint. There, and I, I has the reason I'm stammering a little bit is I don't, I well those two things I'm confident about, but I feel like there's probably more, there's yeah. more also more more to add to the this constraint bit. But when honestly when constraints came out of the official process, I just went I went right there with it. It's only years later as a practitioner that I was like, oh yeah. And you guys brought it up today. I didn't bring it up, but I, I thought you'd find that was interesting. It was it was yeah, jobs definitely. outcome constraints 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Absolutely, because I think it's it's I think unconsciously, really without having any formal way of thinking about this, it's we 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 used it exactly in the way you just explained. It's it's a source yeah. for for more for gathering more outcomes. And I did we just would kind of ignore it and probably that that's not always a good idea. <laughs> and as a practitioner, you know, you have, there's a gray area between needs and solutions anyway. Right. Oh, now it's, you're opening up the big, the big uh, bottle at the without very doing that per se, just with the need. <laughs> but if you're, if you're sort of loosey goosey about that distinction, or for some practitioners, quite honestly, you might not really be aware of it that much. I mean, if you've ever, yeah. when you, when you teach people to gather needs, that's the first thing you're trying to you're trying to get, show them some discipline about keeping them separate because they're all over yes. the map with solutions. Yes. So you're sort of really driving that point home. Yeah. And um, uh, but but if they're not if they're not worried about it, they're, they're, they'll have all kind of needs about 
about the weather stuff. But the reason, one reason it's important to pull it out is you don't do any good. You don't help yourself to have some kind of some kind of need statement that's like increase the likelihood that the rain is perfectly is 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 perfectly when I need it. Yeah. No, because that can't happen because that's a constraint. You cannot change it. I mean, yeah. yeah. In an outdoor now again, if we well, you have to sort of define in an outdoor yeah. world, you can't. I mean, unless you have some ability to seed clouds or something, you know. <laughs> well, who um, knows where technology is going? From, <laughs> some control over the climate. So, yeah. so you're having so back to our the whole thing about back to our causality is statisticians stayed out of it because it's like they can't make any definitive statements. So they, so it's like zero common sense is allowed, zero logic, only numbers. And so, and so with, yeah. with the jobs you've done, a study or project or analysis or whatever, you know, so you, you bring your common sense back into it and you sort of have to say what can be changed, what cannot be changed. And there's, there are consequences to that. I think. It, yeah. And so it's it's probably a good common sense that we cannot change the weather. Now we we had our trees expert. I mean, maybe what if we created an environment where you can't? Change the what if we have greenhouses? So 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 that but that also illustrates a, yeah. a an innovation path. How can yeah. you get rid of a how can you get rid of a constraint? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I find it very interesting how you use the the word constraint. I mean, it makes total sense to me this example of the weather but that's not at all the kind of uh for me it, it it's not what appears to me like a constraint but you're totally right it it, it is definitely um yeah i guess constraint is a, is, a, is a good word for, for me the this idea of constraint is where you're basically limited in your in the in, in this in the space you can navigate somehow it kind of limits your movement and yeah. I had never really considered this idea. I think this weather example is very interesting. Well, because, I yeah. definitely embraced paradoxes, and I, yes. I, how can I hold two things in true that could be uh, yeah shouldn't be true at the same time, but are? And so that's that's where I so this these definitions are a bit of a paradox. I'll define a constraint something that cannot be changed, and then I'll turn around and say, hey, one innovation path is to get rid of this constraint. I mm -hmm. hold both of those ideas in my head um, without going too crazy. Yeah. Well, that's by but the way. If you think so about when we had our trees conversation, a lot of, you know, trees yeah. is about how do, that's the whole thing. How do we innovate yeah. by eliminating a constraint? But yeah. really when we say a constraint, you know, it's a, we mean a current constraint, you know, Um and again, I realize I, I'm aware I'm contradicting myself, but it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, it's um, I mean, a constraint something we cannot it cannot change. We say cannot in some time frame, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe longer term. But put it this way: if you can get rid of a constraint, you can you definitely have an innovation yes. opportunity. So what? So some of the assumptions. So then some of the assumptions around the constraint cannot be changed. Maybe you can challenge some of those, but then, but, but with all of these, you can see we're getting away from the needs and usually with jobs we've done, at least initially, we want to purely understand the needs first. And we often don't get too much into the solution side, which is one reason why probably constraints is not as much of the dialogue as maybe it should yeah. be. But that could be a kind of a way, uh, I mean, a way out. I would say, well, if if in the needs you completely ignore constraints, 
and a need pops out as being super important and not fulfilled at all, but there is a constraint in the world to achieve it, then you know what you need to change. So you need to work on it. So, 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 but, but it's, it's, it's that, that goes a long way. I think we never really go that far in our, in our process, to be honest. Funnily enough, this uh, Alicia Guerrero in in this yeah. in this book, which I, I haven't finished, so I can't comment on it extensively. But she has this notion of uh, enabling const- constraint, yeah. which is a constraint you actually yeah. set yourself in yeah, order yeah. to 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 generate, you know, more uh, ideas yeah. or, or different different solutions you might oh, but that I think is point. really that's that's maybe a little bit of a different point but that's really important yeah. never trying to start creativity or even thinking about philosophy and all that kind of stuff with the idea in mind to completely be open to everything that's when you will stare at the blank page <laughs> so constraints are super helpful for creativity mm. in general so the more cons- usually the more constraints you add the easier it is to be creative I, I completely see that and you can have I a whole just book wanted... around constraints. You oh, can have man, it's yeah. a big topic, really. <laughs> I just want to, Scott, you mentioned this with kind of holding these paradoxes in 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 kind of these two things that are somehow there is a tension between and true at the same time. Now, one of the best definitions of philosophy I've ever heard is one of my my past philosophy teachers. He said, "Well, philosophy is about going crazy without losing your mind," and I think that's kind of that hits the the nail on the head. And sometimes I think we need to have that. We need to we need to kind of have these. That we need to consciously hold tensions because the world unfortunately doesn't come our way in a purely nicely um, phrased way where it's just everything is clear and there are no contradictions. I just, I think it, yeah. it is kind of a more, uh, even a more realistic picture of the world where things are not clean and not kind of yeah, don't you, work super. Yeah. To, to just accept the paradox is to, um, it's just sort of not go great just to, not overly. The other thing is, well, you overly simplify it. If you if, yeah. If, yeah. to get rid of it artificially is to create some is to create something that's not it's less than true, and yeah. so you're better to accept the paradox and whatever that complexity is. Maybe at some point you'll understand something better. But for me, I, I just recognize it as a, a paradox, and then and then I'm I'm a it's so it's almost like before recognizing it, it causes tension. But oh. That's a paradox. I'm okay with it. Now yeah. I'm now I'm, yeah. I'm now we can we can move on. Yeah. yeah. That's a very zen zen approach <laughs> to to innovation, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like uh you like in you know in my book I've got the paradox of value propositions. One is like it's yeah. completely objective and one is it's completely subjective. Those are both true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just they both use true. the yin and the yang um uh, analogy in your book. I did reluctantly just because (laughs) everybody uses it, but it at the same, it fits so well uh, for what, for at least the way I was trying to organize it. I was like, well, why, why fight against a model that works? I definitely did not for push it in. Like I think a lot of books on the yin and yang of this or the Zen of that. Absolutely not. But it, but again, you know, when these models of, the of understanding reality been around for thousands of years yeah. you know that's it's probably best not to push against it yeah. too hard <laughs> uh-huh. so what do you think is this a good is this a good way to i think that's yeah i think we've got more ending on paradoxes for, for, and for session paradox. three 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So session three, we'll see about it. I just encourage you. So one beautiful entry point into kind of the philosophical connections and jobs to be done is God's book. Um, so the statue in the stone, go, go get it. Uh, and just in terms of philosophy, start wherever you want, but just start. Um, nobody is excluded from the club. Uh, just try, just follow your interest and, and, and go wherever you want to go. So, uh, yeah, I think that concludes our second episode on philosophy and jobs to be done. And uh, we'll see you next time. I want to send you guys a YouTube video of that episode of the Andy Griffith episode. Yeah. <laughs> see if you find it as entertaining as I do.